Welcome to Sacred Psychedelics, the world's first indigenous-hosted psychedelic podcast. I am your host, a fifth-generation medicine woman, Xochitl Kusikui Ashe. In this podcast, I share the wisdom of my ancestors while facilitating powerful conversations that teach us how sacred plant medicines and psychedelics can support personal, community, and earth transformations. I am grateful that you are here. May these shares and stories serve as healing medicine for you. As healing medicine for you. I am so delighted. It is such an honor for me to have my beautiful, beloved, beloved sister here with us today. So I want to introduce my sister, Dream Malik. She is a weaver of worlds who lives at the literal edge of the Pacific Ocean in the Western Gate on the Esalen lands known as Big Sur, California. Dream wears many masks as weaver and cross-cultural catalyst, advocating for the rights of nature, right relationship with sacred plant and psychedelic medicines, offering mentorship and healing sessions as a death coach and meditation guide, writer, producer, and dreamer. Her body of work centers the evolution of consciousness in our collective return to love. She curates in-person workshops and virtual learning journeys that combine the worldviews of ceremony and science with sacred plant medicines and psychedelics, as well as the ceremony of living and dying, the exploration of death as a pathway to liberation. In her practices, she explores the profound transformative power of death grief, joy. Her latest creation, NPOEL, launched in collaboration with the Esalen Institute and focuses on the ceremony, science, and somatics of sacred plants and psychedelics. Welcome. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for that beautiful intro. I'm so excited. I'm like interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love to open up our, our conversation for today, our council in many ways. Um, I always like to open by creating sacred space. So I'm just going to open in a small prayer, small but potent prayer. So if you are listening out there and you're seated in a comfortable place, just take a moment to close your eyes. And if you are driving, that is okay. You're still part of the prayer and you can just keep on driving. So closing our eyes and just taking a deep breath together. And at this moment, we open sacred space, calling in the energy of the earth. Pachamama tonatzin chundafe. Thank you for everything you give to us today. Thank you for the medicine that is here for all the listeners so that what we share today comes from a place of our hearts connected to you, great spirit. Thank you to the great sun, Taita Inti Tonatiu, for shining, shining beautiful rays of sunlight into this podcast, into our message, into what we share so that what we share is divine clarity for many, healing for many. Thank you so much to our 
well ancestors and our protectors and our guides and our teachers for being here as we open this beautiful podcast today may you join us thank you for the plant spirits we know that you have a voice and so you are welcome here to be that voice and for this we are so grateful Hey, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Mm, so as I was, uh, you know, dreaming about our time together, um, I was thinking, oh, what, what do I want to be in council about with you? And one of the things about my dear sister dream is that I feel that you are quite amazing because you, you're such a visionary. And, you know, one of, the, one of the ways that I also describe you is that you're like an igniter. Like you are that ignition that um, creates or co-creates the flame to, to powerful movements. And right now the movement that you have been such a huge part of um, you know, the creation of is the psychedelic ecosystem. And I really have admired you from the first moment we met because of the level of integrity that you have held in this ecosystem, how you have been really committed and devoted to bring indigenous voices, um, BIPOC voices, and accessibility to this ecosystem. And so I just wanted to, you know, you asked me at the beginning of the podcast, like, what is this podcast? Like, what is, what is this about? And I said, you know, in short, it's, you know, an indigenous perspective uh, to plant medicine, psychedelics, and how they are here to support our evolution, our human evolution at this time of the great shift. Um, and you had... I just, I wish I could have captured it then and pressed record, but that's why I'm inviting the conversation again. You were sharing with me the connection between our human evolution and these incredible plant teachers, psychedelics throughout history. And so, yeah, love to hear more about that. Thank you for that um, beautiful introduction and um Mm, effusive introduction and I so appreciate you and also just want to honor and recognize um, the weavings of the way that we become involved in ecosystems and the small part that I'm playing in in a very large collaborative collective group of beings that many 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 of which have been doing this work in the underground and in in their villages and in the far off land since the beginning of our creation of time, you know? And so there's an emergence right now, a blossoming and a, a composting at the same time um, in this ecosystem that some folks are still calling an industry. Um, and I love, I love the reverence and the respect that you offered me. And I also just want to offer that back out in in infinite fold to all the beings that um, 
we've been doing this work for a long, long time. Yeah. And how some of us end up, you know, more in, in the purview and how others of us end up in a little bit more of a public platform in different ways and somehow are given the sacred responsibility of, you know, speaking and illuminating and how there's so many, 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 many voices out there that actually are really carrying a lot of deep wisdom of which I am piggybacking on. Yeah. So to, to drop into your question and to go where we were when we, when we first hopped on and we were joyfully exploring who, who the community is that's receiving this and what might be of service to them. Um, and I was just sharing with you some of the maps that I've been um, experiencing both in my own, like as I'm connecting more with my ancestry and, and reconnecting with that as um, a mixed race woman. And I've been having all of these really profound, like even physical experiences um, around mapping some sacred mm, technology in like the East Indian and the, and the Buddhist realms. And I've just been feeling and seeing and I know that there are others, um, scholars out there that I've you know, got a book right here, actually, um, Mike Crowley, The Secret Drugs of Buddhism, you know, people that have gone really deep into this. And that's not what I do. I just see maps and get like pieces and start to see how they lay on top of um, culture and ecosystems and lineages. And so seeing that since the beginning of recorded linear time that these sacraments have been part of a whole variety of different um, religions and philosophies and cultures from the nectar or amrita in Tibetan Buddhism, that which is like the essence of the creation of the Buddha um, and the clear light world to the soma that was in East Indian medicine, like ancient ancient medicines, uh, uh, Greeks had you know psychedelics in their ecosystems. There's recent discoveries of you know hair samples found from three thousand years ago in you know on the Mediterranean. Like this is mapping, and you know this from your own lineages in Peru, and then your train lineage in Mexico. These medicines have been you know, and, and Terrence McKenna had his stoned ape theory and Paul Stamets has theory, you know, these medicines have been mapping through time. They've been mapping through time, but what I like to take a look at is the acceleration of consciousness that I'm seeing, like this quickening that's happening right now and, and the intersection of all different kinds of technologies that are coming on board, like the, the quickening of sacred plants and psychedelics into mainstream culture, the quickening of uh, ancient technologies uh, like meditation and yoga that have come fast into Western culture, the quickening of this technology that we call artificial intelligence, which I, I find to be a little bit funny because 
Um, I feel like everything is created by something that's far greater even than humans. And so how could we have intelligence that's artificial? And the quickening of the weather, which is really climate, which is really the five, you know, the elements. So all of this is coming out right now. And it's really amazing to see that both this massive rise in consciousness and also this mm, huge composting of old systems that are no longer in service, that are not working and everything kind of firing up at once. And so I just, I get real curious when I see, like when I can feel all of this rising. And, and um, so I've been looking at these maps and kind of getting like, okay, well, if these have been ancient initiatory experiences, you know, that were likely used by high priests and priestesses, likely used by the high lamas and monks, likely used by the, you know, medicine folks in, in indigenous communities as initiatory experiences. And suddenly they're, you know, getting dumped into the kind of collective um, water streams of our consciousness and mainly in medicalized models. Like what, what does this mean actually for the evolution of consciousness? And what can we learn from these medicines that I think have their own life force, they're coming out, but also the ancient tenders that have held them and the ways that they've been held and the ways that they've been offered. And, um, and that's where I think that some, there's really interesting guidance there. I've also been feeling, and, and I don't have a lot of, you know, scientific data to back this up or even research data, but I've been feeling like most likely that it was what we call microdosing or as our dear sister Erica Gignon calls homeopathic remedies, like it was, or low dose medicine, right? In, in Tibetan um, Buddhism, they have um, this medicine, I think it's called dulci, but it's, it's like, and it contains like the bones of the ancestors and the sacred plants and all these different things. And they just give little, little, little doses of this. Um, they're not giving these huge, massive peak experience doses to folks that are either uninitiated or unsupported. But I feel like they were likely giving these small doses to help people drop back more into their bodies. They were likely giving low doses to help them drop more into um, contemplative practice and ways to reconnect and stay connected with spirit or the divine. And so I feel like when I look at the map of sacred plants and psychedelics, that the direction that we're going is actually, that these experiences, peak experiences aren't, aren't for everybody. And that we're walking a fine line between spiritual emergence and spiritual emergencies. And um, that a lot of folks can be best supported by going slower and really integrating their experiences and allowing that to be more of the medicine.
Yeah, I love what you're saying because, you know, as I have a retreat company and we do retreats in Mexico, and these are big dose uh, ceremonies. Um, I really like, I've gotten a lot of questions about like, why is the intake process so thorough? You know, like what, you know, maybe um, you shouldn't be interviewing the people, right? Like hire somebody else. And while I am all about uh, delegating as we grow our business, um, you know, there's a part of me that's like, I need to know, like I need to energetically connect to the people that are coming into this retreat because people need to know that when they come, like this is not like you are going to like get on a rocket ship and like, psh, like go into space. Like these ceremonies are, created so you have one foot on earth and one foot in the spirit world like that is important yeah yeah because the moment that we begin to work with these medicines even just begin to sign up for the like retreat you're 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 holding these folks Mm -hmm. you're holding these folks in a collective field of support and you know entering in these realms of consciousness that are um, infinite and vast and um, also, you know, lower our kind of energetic fields and our barriers and all kinds of things yeah. can, can happen. And some of them are really remarkable and others are really challenging. And there's, there's um, energy, like there's energy that we need to be mindful of as we're playing and as we're praying, right? Yeah. And how how was your path into the world of of psychedelics and medicine? How did was was your beginning gentle as as you now see? Like, oh, I think that this is the path. Oh God, God no, honey. <laughs> <laughs> not gentle. Which is part of why I've come out, you know, in the in the collaborative creation of um you know programs and conversations and and my so my beginning um I first met I first met cannabis when I was very young and then I met uh psilocybin and that was my first quote-unquote psychedelic experience when I was 15 and that medicine journey literally and spiritually saved my life and it was completely uninitiated. And when I say it literally saved my life, it literally saved my life because I stayed out all night at 15 for the first time and I didn't go home. And somebody had actually, uh, my father was bipolar and he was in a manic episode and he had picked somebody up at a bar and that person had come to our house and had beaten my dad and was waiting for me to come home and kept asking, where's your daughter? And I didn't come home for the first time in my life because I was tripping on mushrooms, right? So I know they saved my life, literally. And then spiritually, they saved my life because I'd been connected to the spirit world since I was born and before and not understood it and not, you know, not understood why I could talk to things and hear things. And, and then I'd come into like a completely different reality of and mainstream Western culture 
and nobody talked like that and nobody talked to the animals and I lived in suburbia and I was like what the fuck is this you know and so they reminded me that there's all of these other relationships right and they helped me to begin to work through some of the traumatic imprints in my body after psilocybin I met LSD and LSD like was I, I mean, I could go and I could dance and I could shake it out. And I had no idea what I was doing, that I was actually moving trauma in my body. Instead, I just thought I was dancing and I'd spend the nights staring at the palms of my hands, seeing the entire cosmos. Like I was that girl that was just there seeing the cosmos moving through the veins of my body and not knowing that I was looking for rites of passage, that I was looking to try and clear out really intense, intense childhood experiences. And um, so I say, say they saved my life in that way too. And they saved my life because I had a, a bad LSD trip that brought me into the hell realms and had me get sober for some years while a lot of my friends were ODing and drinking themselves silly. And I was completely like, no, thank you, <laughs> you know? Um, so they've been a part of my life, um, you know, since I began to really like know what it was to be alive, but it didn't always seem that way, you know? And I took a long pause because I had no, I was completely uninitiated and I had no guidance and I had no idea what I was doing. And fast forward, you know, I played, I played with them some kind of in my, like, let's go to a festival, you know, kind of a thing and, and try MDMA and try this thing and try that thing. And then I took long break, long break. And I found Buddhism and I was meditating and doing different things. And then my dad died and I hadn't worked with psychedelics or sacred plants for a long time, but I had been looking into alternative therapies to work with alcoholism for my then husband. And I remember the first time I read about Iboga, it was, and I read about this place called the dream house. And I was certain that we were supposed to go there, you know, I, and I had no idea what it, you know, what it was. And, but I just felt it so clear and so strong. She spoke to me and it was about half a dozen years later that my husband finally agreed to go. It was 2012 and my dad had just died. So I decided to go with him. And that's when I met the spirit of Iboga, who is a master, master teacher for me. Before we continue with the rest of this episode, I'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsors of this podcast, Teona Center Retreats, the only woman and indigenous-owned psilocybin retreat space. Teona Center offers legal and safe opportunities to experience the healing power of Teonanacatl, or sacred mushrooms. Retreats are held in beautiful San Miguel de Allende, Mexico, a city whose color, charm and magic deeply support participants on their healing journeys. And as a thank you for being our listener, Teona Center would like to offer all Sacred Psychedelic listeners $150 off your next psilocybin retreat. Make sure to visit the show notes to learn how you can join Teona's next psilocybin experience. 
This podcast is made possible by one of our sponsors, Microdosify. Their mission is to combat the global mental health crisis one person at a time through quality psychedelic education and community. They've just launched a new program called Microdosify Spaces, a community-led support group dedicated to helping you integrate your psychedelic experiences. And best of all, they are free. To learn more or sign up, visit the show notes. If you listen until the end of this episode, you will also receive a code to take 10% off anything in their shop. Stay tuned. So that's kind of my journey in, you know, and then it just, it just started to go from there, following the breadcrumbs. And next thing you know, um, fast forwarding a couple of years and my husband's died and I'm at Burning Man with my brother who had been going since the nineties, you know, and I've been hearing about all these like wild, crazy folks that go out to the desert and get naked. And here I am living in like suburban, you know, New Mexico, being a soccer mom and wondering like what all these folks are doing. And, and so in, in some ways I got freed um, in a lot of ways, I got freed and I go to Burning Man, my brother and I, um, He'd been telling me about this guy, Rick Doblin, who had gone to his undergraduate school in, in Sarasota, Florida. And we go and see this talk and we're both sitting on opposite ends of the room. And I just feel like, oh my God, we got to make a movie about this guy. <laughs> and, and my brother and I both go and we get in the line and I'm like elbowing him going, you know, we can make a movie about this guy. He's like, I know that's why I'm up here, you know? And we end up spending three days at Burning Man with Rick and end up on like Ken Kesey's acid bus or some, one of those original guys like acid bus talking about story and sharing. And by the end of that, Rick um, said yes. And we became his documentarians about eight plus years ago. So that kind of mainstreamed me into my pulse on what was happening. And from there, um, I went on and was invited to help curate and host this gathering at Esalen Institute in, um, in 2019 with my friend, Alan Bediner. And that was kind of bringing back to Esalen the ethos which, which had been there and they had kind of left behind for a good long period of time. But it was, you know, it was featuring like the, the Michael Pollins and the Ricks and, you know, it was a beautiful, beautiful gathering of folks, but it was also where we realized how incredibly white the space was, how incredibly uh, male dominated the voices were, you know, and that's when we did a little bit of spontaneous breaking out into rooms and some groups got together and they helped to formulate the North Star Pledge, which has kind of been like a, a foundational pillar for just some right relationship um, perspectives in this ecosystem. And that's when I really grokked that like, if I'm here and I'm gonna have a voice and I'm gonna go out there and help to um, highlight other folks' voices, uh, that it needed to be from the perspective that I really believed in, which is 
privileging ceremony as original science, but not throwing out anything that's happening with, you know, Western science and honoring where the two meet each other, but respecting what's really been going on and giving voice to women who have been weaving for a long, long time and voices to younger indigenous folks, which is when, you know, you and I met. That mm -hmm. kind of tracks us to the now, honey. <laughs> and I'm so grateful for the meeting um, because it, it really, like, like I said from the beginning, you know, it's like I really find spirits um, and it's when I see certain spirits, it's so clear to me that you are a connector, you know, and, and another way to say it that is so beautiful, it's like you are a weaver, you really are a weaver of worlds. And um, for me, when I was called to teach and share ceremony um, in Anthea Wheel, it was really such a, a powerful place to be because all the people that you brought really um, like in many ways, you know, I don't, I don't think that we had had the opportunity, many of us to have that platform before. It was very true. And, and I mean, we still see it, right? Like many male white bodies are the ones that are leading the way it so seems but it's just like platforms are available to them and so you really created a platform where i mean i still talk to a lot of the folks that i met there because not only did you create a, a platform for us to come together but you also created a way to come together that was very much of, of the heart, but with, with such clear intentions that, you know, everybody that was present sharing their work, like their, their main intention was so clear and it was about healing. It was about creating a world that works. And that just like, you know, was the essence of every workshop and every talk. And, you know, I'm, I'm, my next question is really important because I think like your voice and, and your visionary skills on, on like what is next is so important because in many ways I feel like, you know, the, the internet, I was, you know, I was, I was there when the dot-com era, I was living in San Francisco, actually, when the dot-com era emerged. And I remember like how things moved, technology started moving really fast. People that didn't have a computer all of a sudden had a computer. People that like, you know, like you had the internet and people were building businesses and um, all of a sudden, not only is this movement affecting technology and the way that we connect and that we relate, but it also changed neighborhoods, right? And because it like it became such a mecca, like everybody came to San Francisco who wanted to be a part of this dot com era. And 
you know, I was living in the Richmond, which is predominantly Asian community. And a lot of my friends, indigenous and uh, self-identified Latinos were living in the mission. And all of a sudden rents doubled and, you know, people had to move. Actually, I only have, wait, no, he moved out too. All of my friends from high school that I grew up with, uh, unless they, they are currently owning a house that their parents bought, none of them live in San Francisco. They've all moved out of uh, San Francisco. They live in like Oakland or Berkeley. Um, but, you know, that's, that's how powerful this movement was, is that not, not only did it change the world, but it changed whole communities right, their livelihoods, and, and it wasn't always for the positive, and so I see that, you know, in many ways, because I work with sacred mushrooms, like, the psychedelic ecosystem, you know, it's highly influenced by the mycelium network, because it, you know, it imit it's, it's like the internet imitated the mycelium network, you know, this yeah, is, this that was even, the original way. Right? Yeah, the original yeah. way. Exactly. Like, and what's interesting, what's interesting, is that you know, and this has been actually coming up a lot in like in my conversations this week. So I love that you're bringing this up. Is that the mycelial web is a whole ecosystem, and that that means that you know. Networks are talking to each other, but they're also poisoning each other, right? They're also like protecting themselves. There's like a whole thing happening. It isn't just this amazing like light language of conversation that's happening through these networks. It's just, it's like a mirror, right? Below us is a mirror of what's above us. And so... I mean, first of all, I want to say that's a big, beautiful question, honey, and I have no idea what's next. <laughs> if I did, I, you know, if I said I know, um, I'd be lying. But what I have seen and what I have been seeing is that we are entering, you know, what spirit says to me is the birthing room of our own becoming. It's like the bardo, the Tibetans have this, um, awareness of this, this word called the bardo, right? Bardos, they're like spaces in between. And it's like the, the, the space in between what we were and what we're becoming, like the death of what was and the birth of what we will become. And that there's great mystery at play and there's great opportunity and there's also within this ecosystem, massive commodification of the sacred. And we've seen that in, but there's a quickening that you see happening. Like it's like things are coming on board and then they're getting dropped, right? Like when they're not in service, these big companies that went public and then, you know, are going bankrupt, right? Like just it's, it's happening very fast as is everything right now. And I'm experiencing like this simultaneous quickening and invitation to go really slow. And when it comes to these medicines and 
their onboarding into mainstream culture. If we imprint original principles, if we imprint the, um, the rights of nature, if we imprint the bodhisattva principles or radical you know, in, intradependence and compassion and awareness and, and the understanding of initiation and the way that that can support um, clearing in the body, but also supporting the body a lot with, you know, because a lot of these medicines are also poisonous, right? So what is our really preparing as we would have been preparing for an initiation or preparing for um, any, any rite of passage or, or experience in our life. And, it, and then if we can allow and create the conditions to integrate that back in to our life, I am seeing profound, profound shifts. And when we don't, I think we're seeing the devastation that's created from that. And there will be cleanup. And there is cleanup, you know. And so my prayer is that all the voices that are just holding those pieces and some of them loudly and some of them softly saying, this is the way, this is the way, this is the way and come back here, come back into yourself and let's land in the body ship, right? For those that need an experience of the oneness and the vastness of consciousness, let's let that be well held. For those that need to clear the trauma out of their bodies, let them be well tended, let it be well held, let them be supported, let them have an awareness of the relationship with the medicine that's entering into their bodies. Let's have an awareness of the medicine keepers that are holding it. Let's look at how this has been supportive in the evolution of human consciousness and how it can continue to be nurtured and supported at scale as it comes out. And we'll fuck up because that's what we do. And then we'll come <laughs> back to center. And then we'll, you know, and so it's just like, it's kind of the dance that we're in. And I only suffer when I want it to be other than what it is. But I also, you know, sometimes want to like stomp my feet and go like, hey, man, stop that. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, I feel like it's, um, I had an elder once tell me it's like life is a paradox in that you are here with your soul and your mission and your purpose to see the world as is and accept it for what is. And at the same time, you are here to make it better than how it was given to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, the two don't have to be separate, right? Like, that we are here. I mean, that's what we're seeing right now with the like the buzz of 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 trauma, right? Or the buzz of ancestral healing. Like we're we're seeing people recognizing their karmic imprints, their soul imprints, all that they've carried, all that the land has 
carried, all that the culture has carried, and how all of this creates the ecosystem that we live in, in our bodies, and the disease, and in us, and the imbalance in her, and the rebalancing in us, and the rebalancing in her. And, and we're getting to say, hey, like, okay, our ancestor did this, our parents did that, they also were profoundly resilient, or we couldn't be sitting here having these conversations, you know, and so, you know, in Indigenous, you know, Native American folks have known this, like, they, they've known to prepare for the future generations, and they've known that the, the past selves and the future selves were, were not separate. Thank you for that reflection and prayer and I would love to invite you because you just really are so majestic and magnificent at guiding us through meditation. Would you do us the honor of, of guiding us through a meditation to connect us back Thank to our, our being? Thank you. So maybe wherever you are, and if you're driving, just lots of presence to, and attention, intention to the road and where you are. But if you do have a moment, eyes opened or closed, just to begin to return home to your body, calling yourself back even from opinions or ideas or thoughts, whether they're exciting or curious or whatever is going on in you from listening to our conversation and just calling yourself back in into the body noticing the soles of your feet your connectors to the earth and feeling that rooted grounded connection that you have with the earth through the floorboards and the concrete and the metal. Just allowing that energy of the earth to rise up to meet your feet, meeting and greeting old friends and new friends. And from that space, just notice, bring your awareness or attention to the very base of your sit bone, your tap root. And from there, feeling yourself rooted and grounded, connected, really anchored to the earth. And then just noticing bones stacking on bones. Noticing your vertebrae, your backbone. And feeling the strength and the wisdom in your backbone. We're so often leaning forward. And feeling your resilient team Maybe they're your dream team. Maybe they're your council. Maybe it's your dog. Just all the beings in the seen and the unseen that are here on behalf of your highest form. Inviting them to support you a little bit, but noticing their presence from the inside of your body, your backbone, perhaps even dealing with your breath it expand a little to meet and greet the outer edges of your flesh, your skin suit. And taking a nice deep inhale. And if it feels good, 
and exhale through the very top of your crown, all the way down, all the way down to the very tips of your toes, if you have them. And feeling your feet solid and rooted. Feeling the earth as she rises up to greet. Noticing your pelvic floor and your taproot. And bringing yourself right back into whatever space you're in. Welcome home to your body. And thank you, thank you, thank you, love, for inviting me to see your beautiful face on this Friday and share story and musings and ideas and conversation, prayers. Thank you, honey. Thank you so much, Jane, for joining me. And, you know, I feel that the direction that this beautiful psychedelic ecosystem is moving is a good one because you are here. So I am grateful for your light. Thank you. I am grateful for your light, beauty. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you, everybody that's listening. And Dream, how can people find about you and all the incredible things that you do? Mm, thank you, love. They can connect with me through um, a couple of different websites. I've got dreammullick.com uh, and entheowheel.com. And uh, I'm occasionally on social media, but not a lot. They can connect with me there on Facebook or Instagram. And uh, they can reach out and, and drop a line through one of the websites. There's always a connect form and, and to share how we can best support each other. Thank you so much. And I will be putting all of Dream's links so that you can go and connect with her and all the incredible things such as Anthea Wheel and um, the ceremony of living and dying. Oh, so powerful. Thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, the best way to support Sacred Psychedelics podcast is to subscribe and leave us a review. To stay updated on our legal psilocybin retreats and learn more about plant medicine, fungi, and ceremony, visit the show notes and sign up for our newsletter. Once again, I'd love to thank our sponsors, Microdosify. Listeners can take 10% off anything in their shop. Just enter the code SACRED. Thank you for connecting with me today. And may your life be filled with medicine and magic. <laughs>